radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. A second go over to Pat to Ray There's Lord. one player who's waited a long time to hoist this. Joe Sackett, come get the cup so he and the rest of your teammates can hoist. Joe Sackett will come out to receive it as captain. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond Mark! I am James Cole of the Puck 77. Hi, I'm Brutes, and my team is not in the Stanley Cup Final. Hey, Brutes. So you taking a lot of credit for that, or what? what's uh, what's the deal there? Well, you you kind of think that this is just uh, your doing? Look, I'm I'm not taking credit, but it like it's for the people to say if I'm the St. Louis Blues, Jesus Christ It's not. for the people! Yeah, it is. Like the if, people! If you want to go back and look at uh, November 18th, uh, the other day I, I joined Puck 77 and look at the record for the St. Louis Blues since then, and tell me it's not my doing, then that's up to you, I guess. So, I don't know. Yeah, they, they, did, co- they did continue the slide for a little bit. A little bit. So Nove- November eighteenth? Are you yeah. sure? About around there. I didn't join Puck seventy seven till early December. Okay. Okay. Well, whatever. Well, uh, well good for you. Uh, if anything, you should be happier with mid December because they didn't 18th. like turn it around. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe who's to say? Um, oh yeah, by the way, let's lay stop a hockey podcast. Uh, so like, man, like, this is pretty cool though. Your team's going to the cup final. Like, you gonna write a bunch of, you know, fancy articles now about it or what? Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I need to, uh, get one together for sure for the, uh, Sharks recap. And, uh, I got time. I got time. You know why I got time? Because the NHL took a week off and we're not playing game one till Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Man, but I, I think it's a good thing, though. You get to no, rest the stars up, you know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit of travel involved. Um, because, like, the issue, right, like, the whole thing comes back to, and, you know, I'm not going to make the excuse that this is why San Jose isn't in the cup final. But, uh, you know, like, maybe if the Sharks were going to the cup final, we would maybe want Eric Carlson to have, like, a week of rest. Yeah. Because, like, what the fuck do I want to watch Joachim Ryan play 23 minutes for? You know, is that a guy? I don't uh, know. That's, a, that's like the Sharks' seventh defense. Really? Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, because yeah. he's like he's ahead of Tim Heed. Ha. Huh. Yeah. Never heard of him. You never heard of Joachim Ryan or no. Tim Heed? Ryan. Yeah, I was gonna say Tim Heed, good guy. No, yeah, power play fan. specialist, fucking, uh, yeah. you know, former forward. Huge contract this summer for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, like you know, you got to be pumped up. St. Louis, like, kind of a, I don't know, kind of a boring city, I guess. Yeah. You feel you feel good for the people of St. Louis or what? I do. Um, yeah, I'm a Leaf fan because this is like the I second. Sympathize. This is like the coolest thing they've had in like 30 years, other than like the you know their food. Well, the Rams well, they won, won a Super Bowl, yeah, yeah. But you know whatever. Cardinals won. Yeah, I always forget they have the Cardinals. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the Cardinals are pretty good. Yeah, but the Blues have been kind of second fiddle to the Cardinals for a long time. True, so, and you know, and the Rams are gone now, so they're playing second fiddle. It's to gone. Literally... It's gone for like for like 30 years. It's been one Cardinals. 
two toasted ravioli, three Rams, four no, three blues, four Rams. No, really? Maybe. Well, because the Rams are gone now. Yeah, but they won. Yeah, I don't know. I've never met anyone from St. Louis. Have you? No. Okay. No. Well, that's fair. Um, the uh, the New York Islanders. <laughs> Haven't had the pleasure of bashing this team on the podcast for a couple weeks. Uh, The New York Islanders have signed forward Brock Nelson. Have you heard of him? Have you you heard of this? Barely. Have you heard about this? Barely. They signed Brock Nelson to a six-year, $36 million contract. Not ideal. Um, Brock Nelson's career high in points over or under 56. Under. It is under. 53 this year. Huh. $36 million. So that's $6 million a year for those, for you that aren't particular math whizzes. Did John Tavares has, had, have uh, 53 goals this season? It was close, but no. It was close, eh? Yeah. Pretty close? It's close. Within like two or three? I thought he had 47, but okay. No, he had 50, didn't he? I don't think so. No? No. Okay. Well, whatever. Not great. Either way. Like, if you're the Isles, like, I, I don't see how you justify this contract at all because like look around the league at guys that are putting similar numbers I, I like what you think this guy's gonna keep this go he's he's what 27 28 he's 27 years old he will be 28 during the first week of the season so like this is gonna get better is that what people think or the GM, at least the guy that gave him the contract. He's so. uh, he's played five seasons in the Nat. Well, sorry, six seasons in the National Hockey League, and has posted uh, pretty similar numbers all of those years, except for the one year where they don't have the best player uh, in franchise history because he's playing more minutes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. No, just clarifying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bad. I mean. Like here's the thing with this deal though, man. Is like it can't, it can't come to like a huge shock to people because like their fucking general manager is Lou Lamorello, who like you also know bad. don't get me wrong, I'm thankful for the three years he spent in Toronto, um, but he hasn't been making very good hockey decisions for like ten, fifteen you years now, it. like he, a while. He's bad. Yeah, yeah. It's the same guy who signed Dan McGillis to a uh, four-year, $2.5 million deal, which would have been like 6.5 by today's standards. Same guy, yeah. That's yeah. for sure. I don't know. Like, I guess you got to pay somebody. I, like, I don't know. Do you? The Hurricanes haven't been. Yeah, that's fair. We'll get to them. Uh, but. Brock Nelson, Corsi, 47%. Pretty bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's not great. He's not overly skilled, and he's pretty big and not very fast. Yeah. It's fast enough, I guess. But Lucic. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, like, that was my first thought, right? It's like, we already made the mistake on Lucic, so what are, we, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know? Not great. Yeah, I don't I don't particularly care for the deal. No. Um, um, and it's it's not one of those things, like, with six years, too, like, you, you, you can't trade this in a couple of years when you realize it's bad, because the rest of us know it's bad, but you don't, I guess, in, in Long Island. So, yeah, you're locked in. There's, there's nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. You gotta pray this guy puts up 53 points for the next six years, I guess? Yeah. Six million's still too much for 53 points. No, you're right. Sure. You're right. Because William Nylander's making 6-9, and he's never had less than that many in a, season, a full season. So. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I don't think William Nylander's going to get 53 points next year. I feel like it'll be more than that. Wait, so. 53 points in the World Championship uh, in, in <laughs> 16 games. So, yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. Well, what else is mint? Um. Oh, yeah. So, I guess we didn't really like get into talking about this at the top of the podcast. Uh, this is our second go-around this week. Yeah, true. <laughs> I loved uh, the original take, so. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. But, I don't know. You know. Tech, the, the tech good, thing. See, but here's the good, I think. I think there's a lot of content that literally today just got, like, outdated. By, You're like, wrong. you know what I mean? From the yeah. last episode to, like, A. One thing that's happened since then, the Toronto Raptors are up 3-2 to two against the Milwaukee fuck heads. That they are. The fucks. I have to make that tweet, by the way. Kawhi Leonard. That I make every time. Here we go. I'm going to do that right now. We can, the you North. Talk, can you talk about the game? i got to tweet something. I mean, oh. um, I'm definitely not a basketball guy, but uh, it was uh, a very entertaining game. The Raps were down by 14 at one point, and I, I considered going home and calling it a night. But... Uh, uh, they, <laughs> the first five uh, minutes of the yeah, gathering was, we were at. It was pretty brutal. But uh, they stormed back and uh, had a good second quarter, had a, had a fantastic fourth quarter, shut the game down, and uh, grabbed the lead in the uh, in the game, held on to it, and now they got the lead in the series, going back to going back to the six. Uh, Saturday night in Toronto, and uh, maybe they can punch their ticket to the uh, NBA Finals, which is just a, a nice way of saying that... Uh, you're the team that lost to the Warriors in the finals because that's uh, that's a thing that's happened in the last uh, decade, I guess. So, whatever. Um, great game. Had a blast. Um, I'm I'm full on board. Like let's let's go raps. Like yeah. Yeah, I think it was meant that I was like trash talking Fred Van Vliet all week because like you know I think I was justified in doing so to be quite honest with you. But sure. like holy fuck. Did he ever step up? Without Fred Van Vliet doing what he did tonight, the Raptors don't win the game. Oh, yeah. Like, it, they, they don't even stand By a chance. Far. They needed a guy to step up and do that. Um, and, I mean, it was good on them to play on the fact that he was playing well. You know what I mean? Like, they, they fed him the ball more than they ordinarily would. He forced more shots, and, and it worked out. Yeah, no, you it know? did. It was, it was fun to watch, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next. For yeah, sure. I'm down. So, Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a big Fred Van Vliet guy, for sure. Yeah. Um, back to hockey, we had talked yesterday at length about how hilarious it would have been if Patrick Waugh got the Ottawa Senator job, because yesterday he was the favorite for the Ottawa Senator job, according to many people, and today the Ottawa Senators named DJ Smith as the head coach, so now we can say this, uh, DJ Smith is the head coach of the Ottawa Senators, also how fucking funny would it have been if Patrick Waugh... I was so down for Patrick Waugh. Oh, God, man. So down. In the hilarity sense, right? No. I just... I think... I think the NHL's better with Patrick Waugh in it. Yes. I will agree with you there. Yeah. Um, Specifically because he's not coaching a team I root for. Sure. That helps, I guess. That's... that's Well, no, no. I think it's better with him in it because I I think he's a bit of an idiot. Um, But... He's He's a character. I don't know about idiot. Sure. Yeah. I don't think he's a good coach. I'll say that. Um, what I will say about Patrick Waugh, and, you know, I already said it yesterday, but I'll say it again, uh, is that, you know, I look at Patrick Waugh as a not as X's and O savvy Rod Brindamore. Like, I, I just think Patrick Waugh is a guy who can come in the room, he can get the boys fired up, he can get them playing for a season or two. Um, but at the end of the day, he's probably not a good enough coach in nowadays NHL to, like, make any, you know, any headway there. Um, but, you know there's something to be said for the coach that you want to play for 
It's just, he's also arguably, like, the worst head coach of the salary cap and analytic era. Right up there next to Randy Carlisle, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um, In a sense, I mean, at least he won a cup. Did he? His team won a cup. There you go. He, he got a cup ring. Yeah, there you go. I mean, Wah has two, but that's different. Yeah. Um, three? Two. Three. Three. Yeah, he's got three. Yeah. I was going to say, two doesn't make sense. Well, good for Patrick Wah. No, he's got four. Patrick Wah? Yeah. How? 86, 93, 96, 01. 86? Yeah, he was rookie. For the Habs. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm disappointed because I, I like Patrick Wah just being around the NHL. I think he's, he's a good character to have. I don't think he's as terrible as a coach as others think. I don't think he's a great coach, but I don't think he's necessarily as bad as people make him out to be because, I don't know, like, the Avs in 2013 weren't great, and you could make the argument that that was Patrick Waugh's fault, but I don't think it was. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 sad. Whatever. I'm fine, I guess. I, I think it's really hilarious that the Ottawa Senators owner called out the Leafs' defense in the playoffs as the reason that they didn't make the second round. And then they went out and hired the guy that was in charge of said defense uh, as their full-time head coach. So that's a that's a fun little side note, I guess. But whatever. Sure. What are the What do the Sens think they're gonna do next season? Not a whole lot of anything. I'm I'm guessing. So. Um, I like the hire of DJ Smith because it's not Patrick Waugh. I like the hire of DJ Smith because it's something different. It's not a guy who's failed at the NHL level yet. Oh. So I kind of like that. Oh, he has failed. Um, well, failed in a different sense. Yeah. Um, you know, he hasn't failed as a head coach. You know, because there have been plenty of guys who have failed and then failed as a head coach and then also just failed as a head coach like four yeah. more times and then I mean, kept getting work. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, well, I'm, no, but I'm like, done with our Michelle Terrians. I'm done with these sure. fucking guys that I have, just, like, I just, I think that most anything. NHL head coaches have had success somewhere in their career where DJ Smith has had none. Yeah. So... I, I don't look at it like that. I, I I think just because you win at one level doesn't mean you're going to win no, at another level. but and if I you're think put it's... in charge of something and you can't succeed at that, then that doesn't mean you get a promotion. Yeah. Does yeah. it? Does it? Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I wouldn't... I, I don't know. Like, like if, if DJ if... Smith, I think, has failed by, like, Toronto Maple Leaf standards in some regards. But, like, I, I, I don't know. I still think he's, like, a decent hockey mind that deserves an opportunity. He you might know. deserve an opportunity, but like I, I still find it weird that like he was hired for one job and one job only. He failed at that job, and then like, oh yeah, we're gonna promote you to the next position above what you were already at because you couldn't do what we asked you to do already. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it's like if your mayor was like, yeah, I'm gonna be the mayor, and they're like, oh, you were the worst mayor ever, and they're like, oh, but we're gonna make you prime minister. Sure, I'll take it. I guess. Who says no? Most people. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a decent opportunity. Um, oh, I, it's a great I, opportunity. I think, you it's know, a fantastic opportunity. I, I think it's a good decision, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm just, I'm sick of seeing these guys that we know aren't going to work. I like the idea of just trying someone new. And I mean, you know, three-year deal is what it is. I mean, you can't hire a guy on a one-year contract like fucking Craig Berube. You can't do that to everyone, right? So, um you know, I I think it'll be interesting to see how it works. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. 
Um, but I'm happy they went over Patrick Waugh. Well, I'll do a fun activity next week on the podcast, because uh, I have a week here. You're going to be out of town. Yeah. So to fill some time next week, I'll come up with 50 names that I'd rather hire over Patrick Waugh. Okay. You down? I'll come up with a few that are over DJ Smith. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. A, f- a few. Patrick Waugh. No. Not, Jacques Martin. Probably not Patrick Waugh, but... Paul McLean. Um, okay. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't hate it. I mean, I do... I don't... I don't... Listen, I don't hate the Leafs making some adjustments to the coaching staff and maybe getting some different voices and Mike Babcock's here and a couple different approaches. I, I don't mind that kind of stuff. Uh, they hired Paul McFarlane, who I don't really want to get into too much, but I, 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 I've I, heard nothing but amazing things, so Never I'm really down. Yeah, he's Florida's special teams guy. Who like That was like the one thing that was like okay about what they did this year. So, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, he's supposed to be a really, really smart guy. Okay. Uh, he was the one guy I named on the podcast last week. It's like, why don't you give him an opportunity over when I was on my rant? Okay. You know, that McFarlane guy I called him? Yeah, sure. that's who I meant. I thought that was the guy who made the little figurines that we put up in our... My figurine! Yeah. Little figurines. Little... Todd McFarlane? Yeah, sure, him. You mean the uh, comic book guy? Yeah, I don't know. What does he do? Makes figurines. Yeah, he owns the Oilers. Does he? Not really. That's neat. He used to be part owner, though. Oh, okay. Um, should we... Uh, we do this again? Let's get into it, I guess. Uh, the um, San Jose Sharks are now out, but in Game 3 against the St. Louis Blues, they uh, won on a hand pass in overtime. It's pretty blatant. Went uncalled. Very. Um, not reviewable. Nope. Therefore, clean goal. Um... I don't know if we can necessarily dissect the fact that it hasn't been deemed a non-reviewable play up to this point. I think maybe it's something we need to go about doing in the future now. Um, because now we've realized, oh shit, yeah, that could lead to a bad game-winning goal if it goes uncalled. So that might be something that like we want to review in the future. Uh, obviously I'm a little weary about what we do and don't review, and I don't necessarily want to add much more. But I think, like... The hand pass is like a black and white call for the most part. Um, it is a bit of a slippery slope. I talked to you yesterday too. Like the one thing is like you know, I guarantee you there's going to be a trend of like weird hand pass plays next year because it just seems to be the way these things fucking work. You know what I mean? There's a kicked in goal that doesn't get called one year, and then now it's just going to be like five years of like guys just trying to kick the puck in the net. Might be like a similar response with the hand pass, but we'll see. Um, but my thought to you, and I wanted to talk to you about this, uh, we talked about it yesterday, but, you know, when you get into these types of conversations, there's a lot to be said. Um, is that there are a lot of people calling for a overhaul of the officiating, which I, I'm not really sure I'm on board with the whole approach that just because we had one demonstrably bad playoff run that now we need to overhaul the whole thing. But I think it's time to start looking into some weaknesses because, like, this, and I think you can agree, this has been the worst refereed playoffs in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the worst of all time, probably. But, you know, this is in relation to last year, where it wasn't great. The year before, where it wasn't great. Like, it hasn't been great for a while. And I mean, like, you know, subject calls are, you know, penalty calls. Like, that that's one thing. You're going to miss penalty calls. But... On a big scale, we've missed a lot of big calls. We've blown a lot of big calls this year. Um, 
you know, my thought is that one thing they need to start looking into is getting some younger officials on the ice. And because I think it's, you know, I mentioned to you yesterday, like, the whole thing to me is that game where the blown hand pass happens, it was, I believe, Dan O'Rourke, and it was Mark Jonette for sure. And, you know, these guys both ref their first NHL games in October of 1999. Like, Mark Jonette has done 1,300 fucking regular season games. He's been up the ice a long time. That's a lot of strides on the old knees, buddy. Yeah. So, my thought is we need to get some younger officials in somewhat. It's not going to be every night. It's not going to be they shouldn't be refing 75 games. Like, it's not fire the old guys, bring in the new. But I think they need to start training some of these guys a little bit quicker and get them up to speed because uh, just because you've seen 1,300 games and you can call certain plays, A, you're going to be at a position a bit more, and B, you're just going to miss a few. So, like, my, my thought is that to train these guys a little bit quicker, to get them while they're younger and able to see the game a little bit quicker, that helps. So there needs to be some initiative there. But... My big point is, and, and what I kind of got to you about, is like, do you think it's a good idea to have an eye in the sky? And wh- what I mean by that is, is it was proposed apparently at this year's Board of Governors meeting, and it didn't go through, but the executive who proposed it mentioned Elliot Freeman this week, and you know we didn't get a name, that he thought it'd be a good idea to have a fifth official in the stands who's basically there to overrule the big missed calls. You know what I mean? So he basically doesn't weigh in until, you know, there's a goal called on the ice and they're skating to drop the puck and he can buzz the rink and be like, hey, by the way, that didn't cross a line. Or some shit. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, a hand pass doesn't get called. And they're like, they're t- going and talking to the fucking uh, guy in the the penalty box there telling him who scored the goal and all this shit and then like maybe whistle down and be like, hey, by the way, either there's an issue here. Do you think that's a good idea? Because it's been proposed... And I think it's something that the league should look into. I agree. I mean, like, to your point about the argument about, like, the new refs versus the old refs, like, there's something to be said about a guy that can, you know, keep up with the play, and there's something to be said about a guy that can look at a play and say, hey, I've done this 1,300 times before, and I know what's going on. And there's pros and cons to each, but what there really isn't is a pro or a con to a guy literally sitting in front of a screen that can say yeah that wasn't a goal because both of those guys the 20 year veteran and the second year rookie are going to miss things and they're going to miss different things because of different reasons but they're going to miss things so the guy in the stands watching a video screen that can review these plays that these guys missed essentially shouldn't miss a thing that's that's the thought right that guy shouldn't miss anything. Like, what do you miss if, if you're watching a screen that can be, you know, paused and freeze-framed and reversed and fast-forward and slowed down and, oh, I want to look at this angle and I want to look at this angle. That guy shouldn't miss a thing. So you take your 20-year... Well, and especially, too, if, if you have, you know, a fifth referee in the rink. Yeah. Not exactly. like, because like, you know, like like in the playoffs, like I talked to you yesterday, you got your standby referee, right? Yeah. So instead of this guy just being in the playoffs, he's also in the regular season, and he's also in the stands, and like, you know, it gives Mark Jonette a fucking night off instead of trying to force those knees 75 games a year to fucking go up and down the ice yeah. at 50 years old. And my thought is, is that 
being in the rink helps you because you can, you know, you get this information right away, but you're also there. You, you can know see what, I mean? what like, they saw. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of being in Toronto and you're just in a fucking... I, I always picture these guys, you know how they talk about the war room in Toronto? I picture it like that pitch black other than the TV light security footage room like you would see in the movies oh, where it's really? just like one security guard sitting there watching like 30 monitors. I think that'd be fucking hilarious. Yeah, like, I, just pi- I picture big like, fat guy. I picture like 1969 NASA when they're trying to land a guy on the moon, <laughs> and they have literally no information other than that one screen. That's like, but there's like 60 of them. Yeah, there's like a hundred guys, and they all have like zero control over anything. Houston, we have a goal. All right, okay. <laughs> fucking everyone going go. crazy. Gary oh, smoking. Fucking and... Gary Sinise is hugging Ed Harris. Exactly. Wait, no, Gary Sinise isn't in the control room in, in Apollo 13. No, I don't know. Who's the other guy with Ed Harris in there? It's that ugly guy. Sure. Not Rance Howard, but the ugly Howard. Not Tom? Ron. What's that? Tom? Tom Howard. I don't know. Who the hell is Tom Howard? Throwing names at you. Okay. You keep talking, know. I'm going to Google Apollo 13 while you continue making that point you were making. I don't know. Like, this whole hand pass thing is like, in hindsight, yeah, it didn't affect... It did affect, but it didn't, like, harm the outcome of the series. Because I think that... You know, after six games, the team that moved on is the team that deserved to move on, and we can have that debate another day, but, um... Clint Howard! Okay, sure. Sounds about right. But, it's a black and white call that doesn't need to be missed. It's an easy call to be made. Um, you know, you mentioned about the playoffs last year weren't great. The year, the year before that wasn't great. I don't remember any calls. Like, I, I can't... You, you're you're yeah. saying the last two years have been bad. I can't think well, of a single and, and, call. And, but that's what I'm getting at, too. Like, I, I'm not saying I rem- I held grudges. Right. I mean, I just remember the Leafs series being not great, and I, sure. I remember a few but it's calls. Like, but, like... No, I, I agree with you. It's like, different if San Jose wins that series. And now you're talking about, well, you've got, you know, the interference call in, in Game 7 against Vegas that le- leads to three power play goals. You've got... The offside against Landeskog in Game 7 uh, in the second round against the Avalanche. And then you have the hand pass in, in, in Round 3. So you're talking about, you know, this one team getting the benefit of the doubt three rounds in a row for different reasons. Because, like, one, one call is an officiating call. One round is a, a, a linesman call. And the next round is arguably a, a black-and-white call that any of the four of them could have made. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's not on... You know these two guys, or these it's a two flow guys, of play infraction rather it's a, than a, it's yeah. against all four, right? It's, yeah. it's against just the very nature of, of of the call. So the fact that San Jose is out, you know, a year from now we're going to be doing the same episode in in May of of twenty twenty, oh, sure, and we're going to be sitting here going, "Well, the playoffs last year weren't great," and Holy like we're fuck. not, and, and we're going to go next yeah, year is twenty twenty, yeah, it's not a real year, oh, but like God. we're going to be sitting here thinking like, "Yeah, I can't think of something because San Jose lost." But this is the problem. This is what I'm worried about is that we're not going to address these issues because San Jose lost and now everything that they did doesn't matter. Well, well, no, it matters still because these these things happened. These mistakes were made. These officials were prevented from advancing further in their own careers to the finals, to better you know, pay. To oh, better... yeah, they're, they're never getting in a Stanley Cup final exactly. ever so again. This is the time to fix it. And... I don't necessarily want to see the officials overhauled. I want to see the rule book overhauled, where we can make these black and white sure. calls. I think both. Reviewable. I think both are beneficial. Like I, sure. I think I think you can take progressive steps 
to 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 fix the officiating is basically what I'm getting at. Because like if the game continues to get faster and faster and faster and like young players are getting better and better and better, are you telling me that when fucking Mark Jonette's fifty six in a few years and we got like Nathan McKinnon times two, like fucking skating up the ice and the game's even faster. And we're making rules to make the game faster. Like I'm just saying take progressive no, steps, sure, make your referees sure. faster. Um uh, I, I also, another thought occurred to me while you were talking is that, do you think that, like, on New Year's Day of this year, like, uh, at midnight, that the world's going to spontaneously combust because there's going to be, like, a, uh, like a, like a, a marathon of 2020 on? And, like, maybe just, like, all the computers everywhere will just be, like, Barbara Walters saying, this is 2020. Yeah, it's... Y2K squared? I don't, I yeah, don't know. It's 2020. Like, I guess. You know, it's 2020. Is it the show or is it the year? It's... Uh, I had half a I, bottle of wine tonight. I don't know the show. Yeah. I, I also... I think I was getting sick after you left yesterday. I don't know. I'm kind of... I've been feeling a little off the last day and a yeah, half. So, so what are you going to do? Um, I want to talk to you about something else. Speaking of the world spontaneously combusting, uh, what did you think of the Game of Thrones finale? It's fine. <laughs> Fine. I'm sick and tired of these people complaining and oh, on Twitter. Man, I just I love it. It wasn't great. You're never gonna have a perfect ending to a TV show. So just like fuck off. It was fine. Deal with it. I don't know. You invested this long. You either like the show or you don't. If you don't like it, fuck off. Don't say anything. I don't know what to tell you. It's fine. It's fun being an outsider. I guess. Well, no, it's fun for me because okay. I don't have an opinion on it. Sure. It's it's way can, better. Can, can you can you attest to that? Is there a perfect ending to a TV show? Um, see, I mean, like, here's the thing, right? Like, uh, the issue is not, I think, uh, there's never going to be a perfect one. Exactly. Because that's, every, that's everyone's going to hate it. That's my point. For some reason. Like, people hated the Breaking Bad ending, man. And, like, sure. I know you, I know you haven't gotten that far. I have not. What, what's your deal with that? Like, how come you just can't get can't, through a show? Can't finish shows. Why not? I get bored. What do you mean you get bored? In... So you're saying there are no shows that are good? Did you watch the end of M.A.S.H.? I've seen the finale. I didn't watch it all 12 years through. How does MASH not bore you? There's like 5,000 episodes. Look, my I'm father, not even exaggerating. My, my father controlled like that the many? TV show, at, uh, you know, the, 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 the controller at one point in my life. I didn't have a say, so... I may have been bored, but I didn't have a say. And I have a say now. I have a podcast, so... Sure. Yeah, I don't know. In 2003, if I start a show, I'm interested in that in 2003. I like what's going on, because I like that show in 2003. Doesn't mean I'm gonna like it in 2010, seven years later. I'm a different person. The show's a different person. The writers might not even be the same. The characters might not even be the same. The actors may have quit, for all I know. Doesn't mean I'm on board. So I don't know. There's no perfect end to a TV show. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't my question, but yeah, no. I like, I, you know, I thought Breaking Bad ended perfectly. Honestly, I like the end of The Sopranos. People hated it. But that's the thing that you think Breaking Bad ended perfectly. But there's probably a whole slew of people out there that don't well, what agree. Did, what did people think was going to happen? He was going to get away? No. The show's going to end. Yeah, If Breaking exactly. Bad is going to end, how else is it going to end other than two things are going to happen? Sure. One of them was impossible after a certain point. So the other thing had to happen. I like guess... there were two... I, I'm fucking, I'm not going to spoil it because no, you haven't seen it. I, I know you I know what I guess happens. there's sub-avenues to those options. Sure. So that's the thing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, I thought House should have died at the end of House. Ooh, but okay. He, but he didn't. And it was like, that's fine. I'm fine with that. 
I didn't love it. See, it wasn't what I would have done. You're talking me perfect ending, like, again, I have to remember, like, because I'm in the process of rewatching it, as you know. Whoo, baby. Um, and, you know, uh, I remember watching the finale and being like, you know what, that that's the right way for it to end. Really? But I didn't watch the, the few episodes leading into it. I don't think I've ever even seen those. Because hmm. I remember not loving season eight. And it doesn't matter. The finale had nothing to do with all of season eight. Just for okay. Record. That's but you know what I yeah. think. I think it's okay. It is, but it was like again. It was one of those things where, like, in my mind as a fan, let me give you an example. Okay, okay? like one that I can like because you know I don't want to spoil much here. Sure. But like, there's one show that I think most people are familiar with the ending because you've either seen it. Or you've seen the internet memes, and it's the Sopranos ending. Okay, yeah. And the Sopranos ends with Tony Soprano walking into the bathroom, and or walking out of the bathroom. I don't know, but he's he's at a diner with his family, and the there's, killer walks into the bathroom. There, there's people there that yeah. are probably trying to kill Tony Soprano. Okay, yeah. it's it's pretty well established at this point that they want to kill him. Okay. And either they walk into the bathroom or walk, sorry, toward the bathroom. They don't walk into the bathroom. Or he walks out of the bathroom and they're in the restaurant. So basically the show ends and blacks out mid-scene. No, with you knowing that the people who want to kill Tony Soprano and Tony Soprano are finally in the same room and there's guns and, you know what I mean, stuff can go down. Yeah. And my thought... And I've heard a lot of people, like, uh, like people have agreed with me, and I've heard a lot of people, like, read articles. I have a book about The Sopranos. People have argued, Tony Soprano is not a character that you can kill on screen. You just, it just doesn't sit right. That's not right. There are certain guys that you just, you can't kill no. certain characters on I screen. Don't I don't agree with And that. why not? If you're a TV show character, anything should be open. I, I think the whole point, though, that I'm getting at is, like, there was so much respect from the other characters to him the, most of the series. There's respect from the fans to him in the series. Like, the perfect way is just for you to kind of be like, does he get in, does he get out, does he die? It's up for your interpretation. I, I guess. He probably dies. Sure. But. Leaving it to the fan interpretation, I think that's lazy. Personally. Ooh, don't agree with you at all. No, I think that's lazy. Like, I think, like, that's that's the cheap way out as a writer. Like, oh, I'm not going to kill him, but I'm not going to let him live either. It's up to you to decide. Like, no, fucking decide. Flip your, flip your fucking coin. So you think Shakespeare's black and white? Sure. Flip your fucking no, coin. No, no, you'd think Shakespeare's black and white. Sure. Flip your fucking coin. Decide. Make a choice. Like, you're the writer. Yeah. You've taken me on this journey. End it. I'm here for the journey. I'm not here for me to be like, well, I think he lives. Isn't that part of the journey? No, it's not. How not? Because in episode one, I didn't decide that, oh, Tony Soprano's a gangster. No, I was told that Tony Soprano, uh, Tony Soprano was a gangster. So, ergo, okay, I'm going to believe you. I think that he's a gangster because you've told me he's a gangster. In the last episode, tell me if he lives or dies. And then I can deal with that. And I can accept it or I can not like it. But don't don't leave it up to me because I'm, I'm nobody. I don't know shit. Okay, I, I I live in Thunderbay, Ontario. I have no credits. I have no like ability to decide what is good writing, what is bad writing. I have my own feelings about what that is, but I need someone to guide me on this journey, make it up for me, 
end it the way you want to end it. I'll tell you if it's good or bad. I might be wrong. You might be wrong. Whatever. But don't lead up to me. I think that's I think that's an easy, cheap way out to, to end your own piece of writing. And now I have to come up with the ending? Like, no. Tell me how it ends. And if it's, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. It's not for me to decide. So, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Is is that wrong? Like, is there something like, like, why? No, I think part of the fun of watching something is to being able to to see things a different way. Because like, I'm not a big fan of you know, watching fucking network dramas where it's just like this is what it is, and it's just like oh yeah, I kind of figured that that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, I like the idea of just being able to see things a different way. That's the point of character development, that's the point of plot development, and that's the point of, like, you know, there being different aspects to a show. There are people who think that the ending of Breaking Bad is a dream, and that it's not real. Right. Which, like, sure, you see what happens. And you can make that argument, right? But if a guy dies on screen, then he's dead, and then we can't interpret that anyway, and then there's no reason to discuss it later. And if it doesn't, if, if, if that upsets you... I don't know, like, maybe just don't watch the show. Like, uh, like I don't have to tell you. You got into it knowing that this was the environment that this person was placed into. This guy was a gangster. If you're going to be too upset that he dies at the end of it, like, how do you not see that coming? The guy is literally in the Italian mafia in, like, New Jersey. He might die, okay? I'm sorry if that's too difficult for you to, like, cope with, but maybe find a new show. Maybe watch The View instead, and we can all be happy with ourselves. It sounds like you're the one who maybe needs to be watching The View, not the people Why? who watch The Sopranos. Why? Because if you can't handle the way The Sopranos... Like, that's your point. You can't handle the way The Sopranos no, end because he needs to die on screen, is what you're saying. No, I'm I'm fine with how they ended it. My point is, is that I would have been better if they made some sort of concrete decision and weren't like, we don't want to piss everybody off, so we're gonna, like, be happy with everybody. Like, no. Like, fucking piss somebody off, grow some balls, and... They did piss everyone off, though. No, they didn't. By not making a decision? Yeah, they did. No, they pissed they the majority... No, Dude, I'm not pe- pissed off. Pe- people... You didn't watch the show. People are saying that is literally, like, one of the worst endings to a series ever. But people who like The Sopranos... Well, not, sorry. Like, people who like Sopranos say it's one of the worst endings. I shouldn't say, like, you didn't like Sopranos if that was the worst ending ever. But I am saying that, like, a lot of people who really, really loved the show read into it, saw, you know what I mean? Like, really, really watched it. Loved it. Because it made total sense. But the people who were watching it to see a fucking Italian, like, mafia shootout, like, the show was never about that. No. So, like, just let them live. What's the problem with that? Hard to write your way out of it. That's the only thing. Yeah. Okay. It was it was a hard one to write. Like here's the thing, man. Like and you know, not the fuck, we're going to talk more about Game of Thrones. Like the thing is like and here's what like I always think is funny is like people making fun of like the Game of Thrones ending. When these writers took over the show. When did they take over? What season? I, I have no idea. Boy, you're you're helpful. Like what well, you don't know what to, to what point George R. R. Martin wrote the series or I, I know he had it written up to, it was either season five or six, but I'd be guessing on which it was. It was, the majority of the show was written, Okay, and then they surpassed so them. So, let, let's say it's midway through season five. Sure. Okay? Because that's a nice, even yeah. sort of point of the Fair. series. There is no way that the writers took over and were like, 
this is how it's going to end, and then we're going to figure out the next two seasons in between. Like, come on. You don't you don't start writing a show because you have an ending and write your way backwards. You have to take your characters on the journey, get to a certain point, and, you know, some writers have their process. Maybe they come up with an ending before they come up with a season. You know what I mean? Or maybe they come up with the ending after they've written up to this point. You know what I mean? Like, everyone has a process. They get to their end of the journey a certain way. But, like, you can't tell me that, like, your idea for, all right, here's how the show's going to end. What about the other two seasons? Well, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. Like, they have more of an idea. And then, like, you know, if the ending sort of makes sense once they get there. No, I don't don't know. I, I think you have an ending in mind, and you try to work to that. And if it doesn't work out, then you change it. But I don't think it's just like, yeah, this is how we're going to do this season, and this is how we're going to do this season, and then maybe we'll end it this way. Like, no, I think they have mm-hmm. to have a goal, like an, an, an end goal in mind. Well, you have a, you have an idea. Sure. Right. That's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. You have to have you know, like, some like, idea. Like for The Sopranos, like the, the idea is like, Tony's clock is going to run out. Okay. But how so? Well, we'll figure that out. Like, does he have a mental breakdown? No. Does he get See, shot? That's, that's like, you know I'm, what I mean? Like, that's where, that's where the difference with, is. That's where I have a problem with that, is, like, you have to decide at some point, like, Tony's gonna die. Okay, how do we get there? Okay, well, this is how we might get there, this is how we might get there. But you've ultimately made a decision, he's gonna die. Not like, well, we're gonna end it, and it's gonna be, yeah, maybe he dies, maybe he doesn't. Because then, like, now it becomes too easy. Now you can literally write whatever you want, whether it's good or bad. And obviously, it was more good than bad, but... You should have some sort of goal in mind. Like you should set goals in life. Just as you should set goals. No, but that's in writing. What, but that's what I'm saying. Your your goal can't be an exact like ten minute scene. You have it all mapped out no, before you've written the but other there, five there seasons be before. A, there can be an outcome. I guess, but like it, like that. That's how you create bad episodes, though. I, is I because guess. now you have to bridge a gap all fucking lazy. Like you can't tell me the usual suspects. They pitch the movie and they're like, "Well, about the ending, the killer's going to be Kevin Spacey." Okay, how? Well, I will. You know, he just doesn't look like the killer, and then he's the killer. What? How? Like, you know what I mean? There has to be, like, a way that it happens for it to make sense. Otherwise, it's just like, well, this was a sloppy twist. Like, a.k.a. this is how you end up with how you get away with murder. Like, what's the plan of the show? Well, we're just gonna have a twist every, like, 20 minutes. Okay. Are they gonna make sense? Not always. Oh, okay, even better. I don't know, like, it's... Take Breaking Bad, for example. Season 1, we're told this guy has cancer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he dies... Yeah, he dies. Like, they didn't say, sure. well, he might get cured. No, he's going to die. That's the ending of the show. This guy's going to die. I mean, like, the funny thing is, is we're talking about shows ending, does a guy live or die? All these characters die. Everyone dies. Right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like the, see, the 70s show, for example. The 70s, like, a, a comedy is, is, I think, Im- incredibly more difficult to, to plan an ending than any other, like a, a drama or an action or anything yeah, like that. Like yeah, yeah. A comedy, he, that show had to end well, you in have to, 1979 at midnight. Like, you have to decide if it's going to be, you know, a fucking sad or a happy ending, too. Like, that's another that's thing. Like, thing. you know what I mean? You, sure. have, you have two... For I sure. mean, like, and you have but that in drama, show... but you can get away with a sad ending in drama because that's kind of right. the point. Yeah, you know. But the seventy show couldn't be like, yeah, we're gonna go till eighty two. What? No, you got to end within the seventies. So there's there's a gap. There's a. Frame, we already canceled there's... that eighty show. Exactly. Remember so, that? 
Oh, it was not great. I don't know. Okay. I like firm endings. I don't like wishy-washy endings. The Game of Thrones had a firm ending. I, I commend them for it. I appreciate it. They were in a tough spot given the fact that the books hadn't been written yet. People were going to be pissed off regardless. You could have had... You could have had a wishy-washy ending where, well, he maybe he lives, or maybe he dies, or maybe he maybe he rules the kingdom, or maybe he doesn't. Like that's that's for George R. R. Martin to decide later. He rides off into the dragon, exactly. into the solar system to Rigel Seven to fight the Witched Queen. My point is, at the end of this twenty-minute rant, that means nothing because this is a hockey podcast. The ending, no, not anymore, man. It's summer. The ending was gonna piss off. Everybody, regardless of how they ended it. There was no way to end this show perfectly because this show was fucked up. It was stupid. It was too popular. It was beyond its ability to... Like, the, the writers were in over their heads. There was no way they were going to control okay. all of this. It Before we get back into hockey, yeah, 30 seconds or less here. Yeah. Because you're talking about not liking wishy-washy endings. Okay. How did you feel about Inception's ending? Dumb. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Okay, and this is where we differ too, is because like I legitimately think that's my favorite ending to a thing I've ever seen. It was cool. Yeah, but it was like. It, but here's the difference: you're a history major, I'm an English major. I'm I've been trained to read into things too much. You've been trained to be like, no, this happened or it didn't happen. Exactly. You can fight two wars at once. You fought the one war, you fought the other war, exactly. you know? Yeah. Is it about Alsace-Lorraine, or is it about the other fucking thing, you know? Give me some firm details, and then sure. I can assess it. Yeah, I didn't know that we'd be spending time on Alsace-Lorraine tonight, but here we are. Um, Craig McTavish to the KHL, your thoughts? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, love it. Not because I think Craig McTavish is a good coach, but because I'm glad that somebody is taking the initiative to hire a guy outside of their sphere, just as I think the NHL should do. And I'm getting sick of the same, I don't know, 60 coaches that are in the NHL. The, the 30... You just head- said you weren't earlier. You want fucking Patrick Waugh and these guys back in the league. I do, because Patrick Waugh hasn't coached in five years. DJ Smith That's has been coaching. That's the same guy, though. He, f- no, he fucked DJ up. No, DJ Smith has been coaching. He oh is one God. of... He is the go-to... But you right hated Ralph Kruger, though. Why'd you hate Ralph Kruger? Because he's a soccer coach, not a hockey coach. Now, how dare you? Oh. That is Team Europe's hmm. leading man. How yeah. dare you? Yeah, get me Nick Nurse in behind the bench of the Seattle tokens, and I'll, I'll tell you how I feel. I would hate it. Yeah, exactly. I hate that team yeah, name. Is, well... <laughs> Fair. Jesus I don't Christ! Know. We need we need a, like we need a, a, a breath of fresh air here because the Seattle miseries. Yeah, I don't know. Like, who's coaching in the Czech these days? You don't know. I don't know. Uh, Perfect. Hire them. I don't give a shit. Let's go. <laughs> Can I interview them? They don't speak English. I think my favorite part about Craig McTavish going to the KHL is that he doesn't speak English. Doesn't it. speak Russian. I love it. It's fantastic. At what least you, to my what, knowledge, he doesn't. What are you going to talk to Craig McTavish about after your 3-1 loss on a Tuesday night in October? You know... No one cares. You know what? You know who is perfect to coach a 19-year-old snobby Russian that doesn't want to take advice from anyone? A 62-year-old former Stanley Cup champion. Sure. Fine by me. Too bad. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great move for the Oilers, for sure. Um, doesn't hurt. Uh, quickly, I guess, uh, we, we performed a, pro, a very detailed post-mortem yesterday on the Hurricanes and the Sharks, but I think we can kind of, like, condense it a little bit today because we kind of got most of our thoughts worked out. 
Okay. Uh, Carolina has a projected 28.7 million dollars in cap space. Uh, they have to re-sign unrestricted free agent Justin Williams, Greg McKegg, Michael Furland, Peter Morazic, and Curtis McElhaney. They have restricted free agents Sebastian Ajo, Brock McGinn, and Clark Bishop to work out. Um, so our thoughts yesterday was like, it's kind of weird because like people talk about Carolina being a team that didn't spend up to the cap, which is true. Uh, the difference though is like heading into next year, you know, like, holy fuck, they have all this cap room to play with. They kind of don't because they're going to have to pay of that $28.7 million. Sebastian Ajo is going to get nine to 10 and a half of that. So you like, I great if they get him cheaper, but I can't imagine it, you know? So like they, they really only have. 18 and a half million or so they have to figure out a goaltending situation because they you told me that they have stated that scott darling's gonna get bought out yeah see i didn't hear the announcement but james darling's been made aware of that you heard it here first james uh cole of puck 77 is reporting that scott darling is to be bought out yep (laughs) tell dave lozo break his heart i don't know what to tell you josh is gonna be pissed to hear that you're breaking news on the podcast um uh so they have to find a goaltender Obviously, Bobrovsky's out there. Uh, Robin Leonard has yet to sign an extension, although I would imagine he'll stay in New York, but you never know. Uh, I guess, you know, you have certain restricted free agents that could make it interesting. Jordan Bennington is a guy. You know, Cam Talbot is a guy. Definitely not comparable to Jordan Bennington, but is also a free agent. You know, Jimmy Howard is a guy, but he seems to want to stay in Detroit. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, it's also interesting in the fact that like the Hurricanes can't buy out Darling until they sign or acquire someone else because you have to have a minimum of three goaltenders uh, under NHL contract at all times. So um, up until July 1st, they have to keep Darling on the roster, like I said, unless they're going to bring somebody else via trade um, or, or sign some sort of minor league college free agent deal. Because, uh, as we said, Mrazek and McElhaney both uh, UFAs on July 1st. So, um, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. They have to uh, obviously figure out some of the, some of the uh, you know, finer details that, that go into this. But uh, I don't see how they go into next season without, um, you know, a clear-cut number one goaltender here. Because We talked, like, talk too, like there's a way to, like, uh, outside the box it maybe. And trade for Lundqvist if he wants to move. Sure. And have yeah. the Rangers retain part of the salary. Yeah. You know, like probably a small portion, but whatever. Like, um, every little bit counts at like 8.5. Like yeah, I think Kadoba, Hudobin's a guy. Um, but, I, like, I like Schneider as an option with the buyout as yeah. Well. yeah. well. My thought, like there, were, there was an argument for each of those though, where it was like, um, if the Devils want to retain... Yeah. Um... It's still sort of risky for Carolina, albeit Schneider's looked much better in 2019 than he did all of 2018. And he's also looked good behind uh, a defense that knows what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. So, like the, he's been fine at the World Championships. So yeah. um, even Vancouver, like I don't give a lot of credit to those Vancouver teams in the early 2010s, but you know they they were good. Like they had a good defensive yeah. core that wasn't like you didn't have you didn't have a Drew Doughty, but you had like six, you know, 
Ron Hainsey's that just got mm-hmm. the job done night in and night out, and it was fine. It does happen the odd time where goalies just become dog shit for a little sure. while, and yeah, like no, yeah. it's hard to regain your form. Like, it how happens. do you fix a goalie, really? Yeah. But like, yeah. uh, you know, a thirty-year-old goalie or however old Corey Schneider is now. I think it's the right system, now, and I, I think Carolina might be the right system as all. Well. Yeah, so. I mean, like, see, here's the thing, man: is it's like it's hard to argue against Carolina for any goaltender, considering that fucking Peter Morazic and and Curtis McElhaney looked like fucking starting goaltenders this year. Yeah. Because neither of them are. No. But they both had good years, and, like, that's the unfortunate thing, is I feel like McElhaney is probably going to remain a backup, but a team might take a risk on Marazic, and that team may be Carolina, and it's maybe not the best idea. Um, I like Hudobin, but I think Dallas wants to maintain the, the tandem. I think they're a big fan of that. They've always sort of done the two-goalie thing uh, since Marty Turco left, and I imagine they're going to continue that route. Although Ben Bishop is amazing, but you don't yeah. want to overplay him. Right. And when you don't overplay him, like this is what you get, was him being probably the best goalie in the playoffs this year, other than Rask. Am I forgetting someone? Uh, yeah, I guess Bennington. There's a case. There's a case there. Yeah, anyway, yeah. it's you know, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think Cohen is in a good position. That's at the end of the day, like when we're talking about like. Them finding a new goalie. Jesus Christ. Corey Schneider's 33? Is it really? Holy fuck. That's pretty wild, actually. Or maybe you won't go there. <laughs> All right, let's, yeah, let's scrap that idea. Oh, kid, oh, God. I 30. Don Waddell, don't do that. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, Mik- I don't know. Miko Koskinen. You, you give $10 million to Ajo, still have $18 million. Yeah. Find a way to sign Williams, and then you're laughing. So. Yeah, and I mean, Williams is not going to be... No. Uh, I, I don't three. think Williams is at a point now. Like, I, I feel like Williams is at the... Uh, probably Joe Thornton in San Jose sort of, well, we'll get there in a second, Joe Thornton in San Jose sort of thing where, like, I think Williams will do mostly what he can, more so than Thornton, actually, to stay in Carolina yeah. or retire there. One I year. think that's where he wants to retire. It'll take one year, like two and a half, One year, three, two million. Yeah. yeah, even, I, I, yeah, I would go two even at this point. Why yeah. not? Fuck, you've, you've made your money. Uh, if you want to stay in Carolina, you want to stay in Carolina. Sure. Um, that the said, only thing, they're not going to hardball him, I don't oh, think. Oh, that's but. the thing, like, you as Justin Williams and, well, I guess to a greater extent Justin Williams agent know that Carolina's got some cap room so hey you guys have got 10 million to spend why don't you give my client an extra million you know kind of thing right but you know who I'd be calling if the other team had a different GM Nashville How about Pekka Rene it's been up there like there's been some talk about Rene for lunch I, I, like, yeah so. I don't think Poyle I mean Poyle's made it pretty clear he's pretty he's pretty all in on Pekka Rene Saros um, deserves a shot. Saros there. is there. So. You, they can get fine. They can buy get by fine. Yeah. But, like, you know. Nashville is a very good defensive team, but Pekka Rene's never had a team that has the puck as much as Carolina mm-hmm. has for years. Carolina's yeah. been a good possession team for years. They just have a goalie that literally can't stop a fucking puck. Like, dude, they fucking Eddie Lack. Was their starting goalie for a while? Eddie Lack fucking sucks. And see if I'm the if I'm Jeff Gordon and no offense to Eddie Lack, I I want to see Georgia for a full season. Like I'm I'm probably trying or more games at to least trade Lundqvist. Like as much as he's respected in New York, there's going to come a point where like, sorry man, but you're the backup now. Mm-hmm. Or you could go to Carolina and be maybe the starting goaltender. And you do have to be a bit careful about the way way you do it, but you know. Is the Rangers announcement official with John Davidson? Yeah. 
so I mean, like the good news is about that is you say trying to trade Lundqvist, and like I, I'm pretty sure this is what you meant, not to put words in your mouth, but you know, they're going to be respectful about the way they go about it. Like that, you don't want to piss off a guy like Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, he's got no trade. You know, so, well, and that too, yeah. but like, you know, who Swedish players in the future want to sign with your team? And you go and you fuck around with Henrik Lundqvist. Like, they're not they're not going to really have a lot of faith in that. They look at him as, like, a fucking god. Sure. You know? So, but John Davidson is not the type of guy that's going to go in and be like, Hey, trade you. We're going to fucking put you on the IR+. plus. No, they'll play him. Yeah. He's just, you know, he deserves a different opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how they have to pitch it to Henrik Lundqvist. Because, like, now he's admitted that he's not 100% on his career being yeah. New York and New York only. So... It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, one more guy that is out there, but he wouldn't be a Carolina trade prospect, but I do kind of wonder about Braden Holtby this summer. Okay. Does make sense. Okay. Interesting. Maybe not this summer. Might be next summer. Yeah. But you may want to trade him while the value is still real, real, real high. Sure. Uh, sure. Could be there. Yeah, okay. Probably won't be to a divisional rival. I didn't think so. No. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. But... Um. Uh, the, the anyway. The to sum it up. God, these off-season shows are going to be fun. You and I just rambling about like you know who could get traded to Toronto. You know um, how Grey's Anatomy should have ended. <laughs> What'd you do this week? Well, after uh, the Leafs yet again signed a perfect contract because Kyle Dubas is the king of the world. Uh, I watched Big Brother for seven hours. Mm. Oh, and what happened? Well, they had a competition where they had to juggle the most apples. You'll never guess who juggled the most apples, James. It was the uh, 28-year-old model with a boob job from Malibu, California. How many apples did she juggle, Bruce? (laughs) (laughs) The apples were very... No, I shouldn't make that joke. Were they Granny Smith apples or golden and delicious? Was that a Jiminy Glick impression or what was that supposed to be? It was just a sexy apple joke. Oh, that was oh, that was your sexy accent. <laughs> oh, your girlfriend's a very lucky woman. Um, the San Jose Sharks... Uh, so anyway, like uh, to sum it up, Carolina's in a good spot. Uh, the San Jose Sharks, trickier spot than the Carolina Hurricanes. Much... Bigger decisions to make, I, I think. I disagree, but okay. you continue. Okay, cool. Well, it's a good problem to have, because they have good players to choose from. A.K.A., the guy I would argue is by far the best defenseman in the world. But, um, yeah, the San Jose Sharks have $24.7 million in cap space this summer. Uh, they have on the unrestricted front, Jonas Donskoy, Michael Haley... Joe Pavelski, Joe Thornton, Gustav Nyquist, Eric Carlson, and Timothy Heed. And on the restricted free agent front, they have Timo Meyer, Dylan Gambrell, Kevin LeBanc, and Joachim Ryan. There he is. That's the guy I mentioned earlier. Hmm. Restricted free agent. That's good for sure. them. He'll be playing minutes next year, I guess. Uh, your thoughts. A penny for your thoughts, sir. Uh, let everyone go except for Carlson. I'm uh, sorry, UFA-wise. I should clarify. Fuck them all. Keep your keep your RFAs. Resign Carlson. That's it. Okay. There. You still will have about like seven to ten million dollars in cap room after that. Yeah, go fishing in the free agent market. Go I, fishing. I, yeah, I, like I don't that. know. Okay. I, I don't have names to name, but like you spend it sure. where you want in the free agency. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I would. I would definitely. Well, Carlson's first priority. Yeah. Like the, the, this isn't like an armchair GM. Like this is like. 
for sure, Doug Wilson is going to try to sign Carlson. What a brilliant general manager he is to try and sign the yeah. best defenseman in the world that he traded for year. less yep. than a year. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, Kevin LeBanc is going to be a high priority, but he is a restricted free agent. Yep. So you do have time. Kevin LeBanc is not a team, not a guy that's going to get offer-sheeted. No. Like, he's... Oh, he's, no, no, no. If it were a different team than San Jose, potentially, but you don't want to piss off Doug Wilson. That's not... He'll fuck you up. That, yeah, that's not a guy I would want to make... You. Oh, God, he... he Doug Wilson is not just an underrated player of all time, underrated GM. Sure. And, like, most hockey writers, like, they know how good he is. But, like, casual fans, I don't think, understand how good Doug Wilson is as yeah. a general manager. Yeah. Like, this team's been good for 30 years, exactly. <laughs> it feels like. I'll, they haven't I'll, been, I'll, but... I'll, I'll break it down this way for you. Uh, uh, UFA-wise, Donskoy, if you get him for under $2 million, sure. Um, Haley, bye. Pavelski, bye. Thornton, bye. No circumstances, but I bring those uh, three guys back. Uh, Nyquist. Hey, you those wanna... were four guys. No, sorry. Oh, Haley, sorry. Haley Pilski Thornton. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Um, Nyquist. Hey, you want to play with your best friend? Uh, take a team friendly discount. Otherwise, bye bye. Um, and then Tim Heat is. I think he's gone. Regardless, I, I just think sounds they can't afford to keep him. So that's that's where I come in at. That's yeah. like. I don't know. The the RFAs they're they're trickier. I think you got to keep Timo Meyer to the best of your ability. Uh, LeBanc is again. I think he's an easy guy to keep. And uh, Dylan Gambrel. I don't I don't know who that is. But yeah, sure. Carlson has his options, right? And like that's the thing. He he needs to decide what is more important: is the secure big contract a bigger deal to him, or does he want to win a Stanley Cup? Because he kind of has the opportunity to get both in San Jose. And that's kind of a rare one because there's not going to be a lot of teams that can offer him both. So, like, there has been discussion of teams that would be interested and probably Carlson would be interested in. Like, speculated there could be a match. Tampa Bay is number one. Yeah. But the issue with Tampa Bay is that... they got to clean some nose. It's not a... And you're lucky if it goes right, even. Yeah. Like, even if it goes right you're still limited on the money that you can give to him. Yeah. Um, unless you literally trade like Stamkos, which isn't going to happen. No. So, if Carlson wants to go to Tampa Bay, like Elliot Friedman talked on 31 Thoughts this week, and it's going to be like a one-year, and it's going to be probably less than $7 million regardless. But is it that important to him to go play there for a year? Gives them a year to figure out a way to sign him long-term afterwards. But... You know, Eric Carlson, a guy who's got a family, I don't really think is going to look at it that way. And even though he's made some money in his career, it's, you know, every it's everything for your family, man. Like, mm-hmm. he, he does it for his family. It's not just for himself. Yeah. So do you want to go to New York, a team that can offer you the money? It's, you know, a glamorous lifestyle, probably something Carlson would be into. Countryman Lundqvist. Exactly. And some Swedish prospects in the pipeline. You got countryman Mika Zabinajad as well, who's going to be there probably for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But are you willing to wait two, three years? That's that's what he has to juggle. Yeah. So honestly, I'm going to take the boring out here, and I'm I, I just think he's going to stay in San Jose. I, I short don't, term. You think so? Short term. Because that short term deal or short term 
he'll be there. Deal. Because okay. that gives him the option to, again, in a couple of years, say, hey, didn't win my cup. Now I can still go to yeah. New York. I'm still worth something. I think he'll do the eight-year deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the injuries he's had, like, he's played a lot of games. It's not like he's missed a lot of time because of injuries other than the Matt Cook incident. But, like, he's had a lot of serious injuries is the difference. And right? he's still this valued, though. That's oh, no, yeah, and he's really good. But my, my thought is that if he signs a two- or three-year deal, he's going to be 30 or 31. I, I If I were him, I would go the eight-year, $88 million route hmm. and just go there right now while you can. 80 to 88. I mean, somewhere uh, in there. again, like, that's that's the easy answer. As you alluded to, there's a family aspect to mm-hmm. it, so that has to line up. Mm-hmm. I just I just think the short term is an easy way of him saying, like, like look, am I not going to be the best defenseman in two years? Because you can't... Fa- I, I don't think you can factor it in... Like, injuries are, are, are a real thing in hockey, but... I wouldn't get hung up on them, yeah. Because like no guy wants to get hurt. No one, no one expects to get hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't think Eric Carlson sitting here in his penthouse in San Jose going, "Well, shit, I might get hurt again in two years, and then then what?" Like, no, he's he's probably thinking like, "Yeah, I'm on the top of the world because I'm the best defenseman mm-hmm. in the NHL right now, and I can do but, whatever I want." Uh, and and I I agree with you to an extent, um, but the point I would make to kind of argue against your point though is Carlson may think that what does Melinda think what does his agent think what do his immediate family members and friends think like if Carlson thinks that it's one thing but you and I both know that you know like you know me like uh, I'm opinionated as they come but if I was trying to decide how to make 80, 90 million dollars, I would listen to what my friends have to say. Because I would want to know if there's something I'm missing, maybe. Maybe. And maybe one of them makes a point that he sees the other way. That's my, that's my thought. Yeah. It's just because I think, I think there's a voice somewhere in there between his friends, Melinda, his agent, whoever it is, that is going to tell him to take the fucking bag of money that's sitting there right in front of you right now and figure it out from there. Sure. I mean, as long as he Not doesn't, wrong as long as he doesn't fucking sign a, an insane cap hit or like a stupid sort of no trade clause sort of situation, he can open himself up to get moved to go somewhere else if it doesn't work out in San Jose. Yeah, I guess so. You know, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I don't know. Fuck the rest of those guys, though. Okay. Yeah. Well, they do have interesting decisions to make. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens with Thornton if he plays another year. I, I assume he will. I assume he will. You hope he doesn't? Why not? I don't know. It's, it's 40. It's getting sad at this point. Just retire. It's getting sad? It's getting sad. 67 games. Guy can't play a full season anymore. Guy got into one playoff game last yeah, year. I, I don't know. I don't agree. But Let it go. Yeah. It's over. Retire. It's not like... It's not like, though, he would play, like, two games and then, like, have to sit out two games because he hurt his back or something. No. He had a fucking ACL surgery last summer. Right. And the summer but before, he, but, he had, like, an MCL on the other Sure. Knee. So how many surges do you want to have? I'm just saying, like, if he trains all summer, he feels good, I don't see why not, and I don't see why a team wouldn't be lucky to have him. Sure. I just, I, I think it's run his course. Sure. Yeah, and you know what, like, it, it depends how you see it, and I think there are certain guys 
where you want to see them go out on top, not fade out. And there are other guys where, you know, I think they have more to give than just retiring on top. I think Thornton is a guy that you can play lower in your lineup at this stage of his career, and he's still valuable. You're not wrong. I just, I don't know. There's there's this fairytale ending that everyone seems to have written for Joe Thornton, and I just don't think it's viable. The so. one thing I think differently than what I said yesterday to you, though, is I made a point to you that I think Gustav Nyquist will stay, and I think the opposite now. I think I think they're going to let Nyquist walk, and I think they're going to do what they can to get Pavelski. But the issue is that that, that Meyer number is going to be interesting. See, that's, that's the one, and I don't really have any opinion there. But it's going to be interesting. Me, me, me telling everybody at home here that uh, they should let Pavelski go. I know full well they're not going to let Pavelski go. Pavelski will be back in the Sharks uh, uh, organization next year because they're going to oversell on the guy. I just think that today is the right day to walk away from him. He's 34. He's shown some signs of wear and tear. Uh, this playoff was a brutal um, exploitation on his, his you know, uh, persever- uh, perseverance is, uh, like on his body, like he he couldn't stay in the lineup. Perseverance, is that yeah, what that's the one. Okay. Um, like every every game, it was like, will he? Won't he go? So, I I think I think there's still some skill there to be had, but just let it go. Like it's it's over. Move on to your next tier of it's guys over. here. Timo Meyer, like let's focus on him. You know, like let's let's focus on this new wave of up and coming shark sharks forwards. Doug, Doug Wilson's been traditionally a pretty loyal guy. That's the problem. But I I also don't underestimate his ability to cut a dude loose. I hope I hope he does. Yeah. Like, he he was really, really beat around the bush this year when they acquired Carlson and they asked him about Pawelski's contract. I mean, that's a hard question yeah, to answer on yeah. the spot when you're here to Loyal, talk about Eric Carlson. Loyalty's but, fine when you've got three cup rings, but when you haven't got the job done your whole career. I don't know. Sorry. Thanks for playing. The Let's way move on. the way he worded it, I I wouldn't be shocked if he cuts Pavelski loose at Good. all. Good. Okay. So it should be interesting for the Sharks. But regardless, you got Timo Meyer, you got Eric Carlson, you got fucking Kevin LeBanc. Like things will be fine. Yeah. So um, Stanley Cup final preview. Is that is that happening soon? Is that coming up? Or yeah, so uh, next month? this was the fun part of yesterday's episode. I got to kick my feet back and have a nice little margarita here while James talks about the final because uh, I'm not watching it. You're going to have to. I'm, I'm not going to. You're going to have to write about it. I'm, I'll, I'll catch the TSN highlights. I can't watch games one or two, I'll That'll tell you that. Fun. Right That'll be a fun article I'll, to read. I'll, I'll be missing games one or two in True. Boston, so... Right, you're gonna have to tape them, buddy. Yeah, no, hard no. I don't know. Um, my 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 heart says Blues in seven. My gut says Bruins in five. So I'm I'm taking Blues in six. That's that's the best I can give you. There's there's not much else I can break this down. These are two pretty even teams as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Bruins have that uh, been there, done that kind of mentality with some of their veteran guys. The Blues can't attest to that, but they have been the hottest team in the NHL in 2019. So like, I, I don't know where the difference lies here. I don't, I don't know what the difference maker. Like, there's no plain and obvious difference maker in this series. The Bruins want to, the, you know, they want to point to Brad Marchand as being the guy in Boston. That's fine. He's been fine in the playoffs, but like, so has Jaden Schwartz, who 
I don't think most NHL fans knew who that was coming into the playoffs this year. So, you know, and then and then you've got, oh, Patrice Bergeron, he's fantastic. Well, yeah, but Patrice, the, the Blues have O'Reilly. My back. Right? And we've got Pasternak. Yeah, but we, they've got Tarasenko. And Bennington's been just as good as Rath. I mean, Rath is probably better. But, like, you know, Bennington has held his own this season versus Rask. Yeah, I mean, like, that's one thing I was saying to you yesterday. Like, I do think this series does have a lot of interesting storylines, right? Like, I, I want to see Alex Steen get a cup. I want to yeah. see Bozak. I want to see Robert Bertuzzo. You know what oh, I mean? Sure. Uh, Jay Boff, yeah, well, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, me personally, I'd rather see those other three. But Bo Meester, sure. I think I think Bo Meester's carved out a real fucking good career. Yeah. Um, you know, you got Bennington versus Rask, like you said. You got Pasternak versus Tarasenko. You have O'Reilly versus Bergeron. Like, it, it is a wash in a lot of senses of it. Um, the you've Blues... Got, you've got the interim head coach who technically isn't the head coach of this fucking team, which is asinine to me. The fact that, you know, like, there's a team that doesn't have a head coach in the Seneca Finals. That's... It's a whole other thing. Like that, that's like the Rangers a couple years ago when they didn't have a captain. Who gets the cup? Well, I don't know. Maybe they send the whole fucking team up to get it. Well, we didn't find out because they lost. But, like, there's no coach in St. Louis, technically, because Craig Bruby is the interim still. So, you're right. There's a lot of great headlines in this in this series. And I don't want to talk about it because everyone else is going to talk about it, but there's the Bobby Orr revenge yeah. tour that's going on. So... Yeah. It's a great storyline. You you can't attest to that. You're like you, we, we we both know it's going to get really stale and really old really quick. It hasn't yet, so let's get out of the way. It's kind of cool that these two teams are playing uh, forty nine years later. Like I don't know. I don't know about you. I think that's kind of cool. Fifty fucking years later, these two teams mm. are playing again. Should have waited one more year. So it's fifty years. Mm. So sorry. Yeah. I think I think one thing I do like about the Blues just getting there, like in general, like it's got nothing to do with the Bruins in this in this particular point but one thing i really enjoyed in 2012 when the kings got to the cup final and won but when they actually got there and you know same thing with the capitals last year was seeing all the former alumni of the team who had, who had played there and put their heart and soul into the organization and never got to this point and you know to see all the articles and all the photos of Kelly Chase and in tears last night and, yeah, and had friends finger. greeting him in his fucking yeah. driveway when, when he drove home. Like, to me, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to see a city who's never been there for this sport um, get their opportunity. And I'm excited for the people of St. Louis. I'm excited for the people of Boston because, you know, like, I'm a little fucking biased here, I guess, but... As someone who cheers for their other sports teams, it there's still always your uncertainty, man. Like you never know if it's going to be your the last time you're going to see your team win a championship, and yeah. it's so fucking hard to win in hockey, man. Like, but think about how Boston's been toward the top of the league anyway since they won their last cup. Man, they had a semi rebuild mixed in there. Like it's been kind of wishy-washy at points. Yeah, those poor Boston fans. You know? they're gonna just have to go home and cheer for the Patriots and Red Sox when the Bruins lose. No, what are they gonna do? Those poor sports fans in Boston. I don't. I don't know. Them and their thirteen championships in the last eight years. Those poor Boston fans. I don't. Yeah, it's a shame. 
you were saying. Yeah, I think it's cool. Good for them. I think it's meant. Because I've never got to see my hockey team win. So yeah. I think it's exciting to, to, you know what I mean? Good for you. You know, I don't think I'm going to be bitter if they win. I, I, I hate them, but... I will be. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. That's that, This is two years... I think this is a year they deserve to win. This this is two years that I've, I've seen them beat my team in a Game 7 where my team could have gone to the finals... But their team did, kind of thing. That's that's where sure. I'm, that's what I'm bitter about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also don't like the National Hockey League. True. Uh, top ten. Let's let's do it. Top, top 10. ten. Yeah. Top ten. Uh, so here's the fun part about the top ten. We've already done our top ten uh, to each other. Uh, but the good news is I watched the internship last night. So. <laughs> sure. Man, that movie is so much funnier than I even remember every time. Anyway. Like I give it so much credit, and then I watch it, and it's like. How is no one watching this movie and thinking it's great? But, I don't know, maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe we have bad senses of humor. Um, okay. My honorable mention was Dan Trunkman from uh, 2015's Unfinished Business. Uh, my honorable mention was um, Eddie from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, classic. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, my number ten, for what it's worth, Dave from Couples Retreat. Um, yeah. Good film. I started rewatching it last night. Oh yeah. Uh, the the part of the movie where Jason Bateman like is throwing like a light pebble at their window, and then so Vince Vaughn grabs his gun, and then just like Jason Bateman's just walking into their back door, and it's like what the fuck? Like you could have shot me, and he's like, what do you mean sh- shot you? Like you could have been breaking into my house. You might have been a rapist, and he's like, a rapist doesn't throw a pub pebble gently at the window, Dave. And like Vince Vaughn's just like looking at him, like anyway. Yeah, good no, movie. That's, 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 great cast. It is a great film. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, number ten for me, uh, two thousand and four slash two thousand and thirteen. Uh, Wes Mantooth from uh, Anchorman and uh-huh. Anchorman Two. Uh-huh. The most hilarious laugh in uh-huh. uh, Hollywood history. So, there you go. Uh, shows up to fight Will Ferrell in the uh, streets of San Diego, and uh, pure hilarity. I don't know. It's it's short, it's sweet, it's it's everything you wanted of it. it's fun. Cool. Uh, my number nine, Reese Feldman, Starsky and Hutchinson. Yeah, good film. Uh, it's the first movie that we've mentioned that appears three times Love on it. our on our Owen Wilson, Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn trio did of we, top ten. Did tens. we each go three for three? Yeah, yeah. So that, I can't this, is, this is six times that we've heard about this fucking. Well, film. you didn't mention I, it yet. I'll, I'll get there. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number nine for me, uh, Brad or Orlando uh, McVie from Jesus Four Christ. Christmases. Um, not a big Christmas movie fan, but uh, oh yeah, also my number eight, by the way. Nice this movie. Nice. Yeah. Um, this role. Yeah, not not a big Christmas movie guy, but uh, this is one of the few that I can tolerate. I watch every year. Um, hilarity ensues. Uh, you know the. The, the couple can't get away from their families for uh, their Christmas annual vacation to some tropical destination. They get caught on national television. They have to go spend it with uh, each of their fathers and mothers who are both split up. So thus ensues the four Christmases. Love it. Um, the the cast is stellar, like through and through. I think you talked about it yesterday when we when we went over this. But uh, the stat the the, the, the cast is, is phenomenal and um yeah big fan of the film i i, I it's 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 vince vaughn 
a little more seasoned at this point. He's he's not he's not recent Vince Vaughn, but he's not 2003 getting into the comedy world Vince Vaughn. He's he knows what he's doing. He's he's been there. This is arguably Vince Vaughn at the height of his a height of his era was the late 2000s. Yeah, I would say that's, that's, that was that's when he was assessment. really fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and I should say this, Vince Vaughn is still at the height of his era. Oh, yeah, I see. My favorite part of Four Christmases is when they're in the airport, and the, uh, what the fuck is it, the news reporter comes up to them to ask them about how they feel about their flight being cancelled, yeah. and like, Vince Vaughn's standing there so shocked that, you know, that they had to, uh, that they're gonna be on TV, and that the families are gonna see them, and then like, now they're exposed, and he just like, turns around, doesn't know what to say. She's like, uh, can you, like, how do you feel about your, uh, flight being cancelled? We uh, we uh, we could, we come and uh, every year, and and so we get the ticket and and then we take the trips, and then we take the trips. And he just like doesn't know what to say. Reese Witherspoon has to like intervene to like talk him off the ledge, kind of thing, and make him not look like an idiot. So yeah, good times. Number eight, big fan. Uh, number eight for myself, Reese Feldman from Starsky Hutch. It's on a boat. It's a yacht. Yeah, and we did talk about, um, yesterday, about how, um, it's very common for Vince Vaughn's characters to have a ridiculous fucking job in these movies. True. Um, Reese Feldman, he is a Jewish drug kingpin smuggling cocaine into the U.S. Big fan. The jobs get funnier as we go down the list for sure. Oh, my number seven, by the way. Yeah, that's me, I guess, now. Uh, my number seven, um, and he's not credited for this role, I have to add. This is a, uh, a role where he's not actually on the credits, but everyone who's seen the movie knows he's in it. Uh, is his role as Luke Zoolander in the 2001 hit classic Zoolander. He plays uh, Derek Zoolander's brother, and he's a coal miner. Their dad is John Voight. Uh, Your number seven. Um... My number seven is uh, Dave from Couples Retreat. Uh, as you guys will probably clue in over the next few minutes, um, our lists do not vary uh, too much. Um, and thus we've only heard about, uh, I think, three different films four slots in. But uh, yeah, this was, a, this was a great film. Um, three, di- three different films four like slots in. Yeah, It's got to be four different films. Yeah, I don't want to see a video about ball cancer. Vince Vaughn, I don't, I like that's, that's fantastic. I don't, uh, you own a zebra, I own a goat. I, what the hell does that even have to do with this? So, that's where we're at. Cool. Yeah. My number six, Gary Grabowski from 2006's The Breakup. You asked for lemons, I got you lemons. My baby wants, my baby gets it. She gets it. Yeah. This is one of the greatest rom coms I think ever made. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's one of the most depressing. Uh, movies that's also hilarious uh and for what it's worth gary grabowski is a tour guide driver in the city of chicago he owns his own tour guide company he's got a double decker bus he's on the announcements there it's good stuff john michael higgins steals the show but fuck me this is a it's a good vince von role yeah uh number six for me we're gonna go uh we're gonna circle back to your honorable mention dan trunkman Mm. Unfinished Business, um, what is the most recent Vince Vaughn film on my list? Uh, 2015, this guy still got it, clearly. Um, uh, Don't Sleep on the Vince Vaughn Train, he's got some movies coming up. 
He's fantastic. Um, I think I could have made honorable mention to uh, uh, Hacksaw Ridge as well, which was also pretty recent. Uh, not a not a funny film, not a funny film, but Vince Vaughn still pretty funny in it. Uh, so give that a go if you can. But uh, yeah, unfinished business. I think this one kind of flies in under the radar. I don't I don't know why. This one seems to like people don't really know too much about this film for some reason. I, I think the cast is great. I think I think the storyline's pretty pretty spot on. Um, that whole that whole part of him having to stay in like that German hotel where he is literally like a display to the public as he as he stays as a businessman in the hotel and he's like a living exhibit and people and he gets to like know the people that come to see him. He's like, I don't know what to tell you, Mitch. Like. You know, she's just not answering my calls at this point. You know, I gotta, I gotta close this deal for my family. And he's getting the the German public. You know, they're buying into him. And I thought that was fucking hilarious. I die every time at that scene. Um, great film. Yeah, Mike, it's a good one. Mike Pancake. Mike Pancake. Uh, sorry, that was your number f- six. Yeah. My number five is uh, you mentioned West Mantooth. Nice. Two thousand and four's Anchorman. Uh, of course, where. Vince Vaughn plays the lead anchor of a news team. Yep. Channel Channel ah, Five News. Yep. Ah, yep. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. Hilarious, hilarious laugh. Uh, into the top five for myself, Gary Grabowski. That breakup. Um, like I said, Mikhail prob- Grabowski. Probably my favorite rom com ever. Like, there's uh, the Notebook is is probably up there in the top three. This has got to be. <laughs> Okay. This is oh, it hurt me with it. It's fantastic, you know, Ryan uh, Ryan Gosling. You know, it's it's he's not good enough for me. I'm not good enough for him. So, so. I, I mentioned to you on the podcast last week that I had never seen Wedding Crashers beginning to end until like five years ago, maybe six years ago. Yes, I yeah. Recall. Which is like it's just a movie I, I had never sat down. Now, trust me, I have seen all of the Notebook. I don't know if I've ever sat down and actually watched the whole thing. Really. Like, beginning to end. Not bad. Like, gone on the journey okay. with the writers. Sure. You know? I, I don't mind it. I'll take some flats on it, I'm sure, but it's it's, it's a No, great, I, it's I, a great I, film. I think most people think it's a really good it's movie. It's a great film. Well, I mean, uh, most girls. Guys, well, think, it's, guys think it's gay, and then they go watch uh, fucking Fast and the Furious, and they think that's, that's a good movie. I don't know. I don't I'd know. I'd rather I'd, see The Notebook. Point is, I'd, I'd put The Breakup in the top three all-time rom-com films of all time. I think it's fantastic. Hmm. Jennifer Anderson, you know, coming fresh off the Rachel thing from Friends. Vince Vaughn, kind of like the... Now, you have to you have to preface the fact that it's a top three rom-com of all time uh, by saying that it's a top three non-Matthew McConaughey rom-com of all time. Because I'm sure there's like 42 of them we're forgetting about. Really? That are good. I don't know. That's all he did for a very long time. Yeah, but they Maybe great. they're. I don't know. They're probably bad. They're you great. ever seen Failure to Launch? Is no. that any good? I, I know that's a movie. No. How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days? Is he in that one? Mm, don't think so. That was bad. Mm. I didn't like that. That was bad. Yeah. I can't even <laughs> think of a third to round out the top three for myself. I feel like the the mom joke from Family Guy, where it's like every time she listens to the son's music. Oh, I don't like that at all, David. Oh no. Oh no. That's me with with. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Breakup. Hilarious. Okay. Go see it. That was your number five? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number four is uh, Peter LeFleur. Peter LeFleur. 2000- oh, right. Four. I forgot we're all, we're all the Dodge same ball. now. Yeah. 
Well, I, yeah, I guess we could just combine lists, lists now. Yeah. How hilarious is this? We didn't even plan this, but like... Well, we planned it today, but we didn't... <laughs> Yesterday, we had the same top four. It was crazy. Same top four. It was a lot of fun to reveal. Unplanned. Yeah, hopefully next week uh, and moving forward, we just don't have any more recording issues because uh, we're a lot better the first time around. True. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2004's Dodgeball, where Peter LaFleur, naturally, plays the owner, you know, of a gym. That has to, you know, of course, raise $50,000 in a fucking dodgeball tournament. Watching this film in real time in 2005 or whatever, I thought this was perfectly normal. I thought this, this like, was how oh, this, is a, this, this makes great, sense. You know what the best part about this? Is in one theater, you could go watch Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller throw dodgeballs at each other, or you could walk across the hall and watch John C. Riley race fucking Will Ferrell at NASCAR. Like, What? These are horrible plots for these movies, but yeah, it's great. We exactly. love it. Exactly. It's time to put yeah. your mouth where your balls are. And I think um, you and I, you and I talked about this yesterday too. Like this was the first odd sport to get the fucking yeah. like movie treatment. Other than like we discussed like Men with Brooms, but it's more like a Canadian movie. It is, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it opened the door for like Blades of Glory and these other like sort of bizarre concept sport movies. Semi Pro, Semi Pro doesn't exist probably without this movie. To be honest ESPN with you. Semi Pro is like a play on the do- on dodgeball, oh, pretty much. In a yeah, way. You're, you're not you know what I mean. Like yeah. just an obscure broadcast team, an obscure league. Trying like to it's keep just the team together. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. But no, uh, uh, to this day, I still assume that all gyms have to maintain their good standing by entering some sort of dodgeball tournament, uh, winning. And keeping the fifty thousand dollar reward, not the five hundred million dollar, the you fifty thousand dollar against reward. like the German national exactly. team, and uh, exactly, you know, like there was like a Japanese, yeah, like uh, kamikaze sort of team, girl. the girl guide team. Yeah, my favorite team personally that they play in this journey. Uh, well, actually, there's also the San Diego Police Department, <laughs> <laughs> but like my favorite one. Is the skills that kills yeah, team? It's just <laughs> like a bunch of rappers. <laughs> they got fucking like like low hanging pants, and when they get hit, they fall like a break dancer and shit. Like it's just amazing. Uh, yeah, I want to watch that film so bad. That is a good movie. It is, and it's only number four because Vince Vaughn is super fucking funny, and like all of his movies are great. Hey, Brutes, what's our uh, number three? Our number three, uh, good sir James, Jeremy Gray of Wedding Crashers, two thousand and five. You're not wrong. Where you know Vince Vaughn plays. A divorce mediator. You know how you love divorce? You know how divorce is funny? <laughs> it's so funny. It might be the funniest concept of the 21st century. Listen, you guys must have had some good times in there. Honeymoon, wedding, you know, you're doing the you're doing the Macarena oh, or whatever she's he says. She's coming so. around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Great film. It is good. It, it grows on me every time I see it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, like I Weird said... Weird fucking cast. This will be the third time I say it now. The second live on the podcast. Um, T- the first, like, raunchy, calm film that I was introduced to in, like, high school, right? Like, that was... Like, I was, like, 13. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, Wedding Crashers, that film that you shouldn't watch, because you're not quite old enough, but you watch it anyway, and, like, looking back, it's like, yeah, it's pretty mild. But when you're in high school and you're 13 years old, it's like, yeah, it's pretty badass. So... Uh, I'm glad it was with Vince Vaughn. I'm, I'm glad I took that journey with him. And um, I got a question for you. I got an answer. Because, you know, we talked earlier about Starsky and Hutch being the only movie that we both had on all three top tens. Yes. 
And so Zoolander, I had three for three. You you were over three because you've discussed to me before. You don't really care for Zoolander. Yeah. And I like how like I kind of dropped that in casually because there's probably a few people that are going to listen to this and be like, James doesn't like Zoolander, but we'll unpack that another week because sure. it's one thirty in the morning. Um, but does Owen Wilson make an appearance in Anchorman? Maybe the sequel, but not Cause, the first cause one. Because Ben Stiller makes an appearance, I think, in Anchorman 2, but not Anchorman 1 as one of the news teams. I think Owen was in the second one, but not the first one. Okay, we'll fact check this later. Is Owen Wilson doesn't make an appearance in Dodgeball, does he? No. In any capacity? No. I was going to say, I don't remember that. And Ben Stiller doesn't make an appearance in Wedding Crashers. I don't believe so, no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. Sorry, are we done with Wedding Crashers? I kind of blacked out there because I was trying to do mental math. Yeah. I haven't touched your food yet. Yeah, homo. Uh, our number two is Billy McMahon, The Internship, 2013. It is. It is. A, a An absolute classic. A, a, a cinematic masterpiece, you might even say. Uh, I wouldn't, but um, <laughs> I will say that most people will probably sleep on it when they shouldn't. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go grab a beer. I will not be having a cold one with you. You get high? Pizza, popcorn, pop, juice, pop, uh, yeah, I can't recite it. Yeah, it, pizza, popcorn, sushi, and ice cream, I yeah. believe is the line. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Fantastic film. Yeah, I mean, Owen Wilson trying to court, um, trying to court Rose Byrne there is funnier than I remember it being. Yeah. I watched that last yeah. night. He's going on the date and trying to like remind her of like all the assholes she never got to date because she was too busy working. But this is Vince Vaughn's top ten, so this I'll get is, to more like the Vince Vaughn. This is like you guys teaching uh, first graders the alphabet, eh? This is more like us teaching someone oh, single a letter. letter. Just one letter. Yeah. Yeah, the scene with Vince Vaughn trying to like invent Instagram Ugh, for the God. second time and he's like, and then you put it out on the line and it's like literally these smart kids' brains are just melting see like what i loved about this movie and i was like watching it again last night and i've never given a credit for this before this is such a perfect example of when you're like 18 19 20 21 and really get to know your parents your friends parents your elders you know what i mean like these people that never maybe thought they were like uncool but you didn't really get to know them that well and in the internship this is kind of what happens it's like they're different for a while and then eventually, you know, Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn, they're like, ah, let's go out drinking that night. And it changes the relationship. And, you know, that's how I like to bond with people is going to the bar. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 such, like, a good journey. It's a classic, classic film. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Vince Vaughn's great yeah. in it. Um, I don't want to recite too many lines because I feel like it's just a movie you just got to watch if you've never seen it. Yeah. Just gotta see it. A couple of watch salesmen go to jobs. And, oh, yeah, uh, he's a watch salesman. Yeah, there you go. By the way. Um, but our number one, and without a doubt, for me, my favorite of Vince Vaughn's careers in all of these movies that we've named tonight, uh, and his funniest performance to date, without a doubt, 2003's Old School, as Bernard Campbell, the owner of Speaker City, who... Uh, apparently is rich enough to book Snoop Dogg I to play at a... I speaker cities. I'm yeah. worth $3 million that the government that knows the government about. That the government knows about. Yeah. Um, if you'll turn your head, that's the Godfather Mitch right there. This is his house. He sleeps 10 feet away. Yeah. You know? Oh, the whole, the part, like, just the idea of him, like, ranting about how marriage is a fucking awful idea. Like, Frank is ruining his life. Mitch is better off because, like, his girlfriend left him kind of thing. It's fucking hilarious. 
And somehow, he is the only one who has a functional marriage or relationship. True. But he's the yeah, worst. So like that's... he he's like, oh man, I want I fucking hate myself. I hate my life. I want to kill myself the every day. Fucking scene with the, the the bride coming on the, the fucking aisle. And he's last chance to get out of this last one. Chance. Big buddy. No, I love her. I'm just telling you, you're making the biggest fucking mistake ever. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And Will Ferrell's like, what? Like, just realizes it then and there, right? Yeah. Don't say sorry to me, Frank. Say sorry to the baby. Um, Earmuffs. Love it. This this is Vince Vaughn. Like when yeah. I think of like Vince Vaughn, in, like this I, is him I, at his I, finest. I hear this all the time about like people that don't like Vince Vaughn, and I'm not saying that you have to like Vince Vaughn, but there's people that don't like him. And what I always hear is, he's the same in every role, and it's like okay, I get that because if you don't like that, then you're not gonna like Vince Vaughn like in 90 percent of his films. And I, I respect that. I can get behind it. I I people aren't gonna like the same things, but you tell me that Vince Vaughn is the same in all of his roles. It's because of old school. It's because old school set the trend. It paved the way. He is the perfect, like, fit for this film. Like, as we lived to, the, the successful married guy that's got the money, that's got the business, that can put on all these things, make the things happen, got the wild ideas, but still wants to live young, got the sarcastic remarks, willing to push his friends past the boundary just for his own amusement. It's fantastic. I love it. I wouldn't change a thing about this role. Um, I'm 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 so glad that old school came to us in 2003 to give us um, the next really what was 10 years of Vince Vaughn's career because I, I think without it um, he he probably does some similar stuff but it, it isn't to the same degree because this this set a bar that was so high uh, that only Vince Vaughn could nail. Big fan. Yeah, yeah. Could have said it better myself to Thank be you. honest with you. I I don't uh, I don't really know if I would love old school as much if it were someone other than Vince Vaughn in the role. Now, that that said, I don't know if I'd love it as much with, like, anyone playing any other... Per- like, I think that is just... That is a flawlessly casted comedy movie, to be honest with you. Flawless. Craig Kilborn is the asshole fucking boyfriend there. Like, that's great. Ellen Pompeo is just... Just irresistible in 2003 and now. Um, you know... My personal favorite casting decision in the whole movie is probably Sean William Scott being the dude with the mullet that's controlling all the animals oh, at the fuck. at the kid's birthday yeah. party. You got a fucking dart in your neck. <laughs> yes! He's like right pumped. What? <laughs> that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, it's great. Good movie. You think I like avoiding my wife and children to hang out with 19 girls every day? Like... Oh, it's fantastic. I love it. I love the premise of this film. It, it, it's pretty half-assed oh, without... man. You know what my actual favorite part of the movie is, I think, because I've thought... I think about this every time I when I was in university. Or not even. Like, even now, when I did, like, my smart serve online. Like, just all this shit that I think about. Anytime I'm writing a test, and especially when I'm in a room with the professor, but even if there's a proctor on, like, my computer, is looking up and being like... And they see you looking and just be like... Good test. Love it. The good test comment kills me every time. Why would anyone ever say that to any teacher or professor? Ever. That's the weirdest fucking thing to say. But he's just kissing ass. It's a good test. We're cheating right now, but fucking right on. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Okay. There's your top ten. And and there's your week. I guess so. There's your there's your Hopefully this one works out. Uh Jesus. Um, okay, a little bit of housekeeping to do here. First off, 
Housekeeping. Next week there will be no top ten. Uh, we uh, alluded to very briefly here in this episode, but I guess we'd never really officially said James will be out of town next week. So for you Twitter folks, we said something on Twitter today. We won't be out until later in the week next week. Um, we may have a guest, and James is probably going to be only on part of the episode. It may be a bit of a longer episode with me and someone else. We'll, we'll see how everything goes. Um, so there won't be time to do a top ten next week, but we will be back with one after that. We're going to do a Twitter poll. Twitter poll. For people to vote on. So if you don't have Twitter, you should definitely get Twitter because this is like by far the platform we operate on the most. But I don't know, maybe we should make like a small website or something that makes it easier for people. I don't know. W you know, you know like W W dot laced L A C E D Is this like the Will Forte skit from SNL? Up. Spell business. Up. Business. B. U. Q. R. S. H. T. Q. W. Q. C. Q. 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 Wow, that was a wasted fucking 20 seconds. Um, okay, so yeah, so we'll be out later next week. Wednesdays in June. We're back to Wednesdays in June. We have a little bit of a plan for the NHL awards show which uh, we're pretty excited about, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, we were thinking, because the NHL Awards show is excruciating, and we need to find a way to make it more fun. So we found a way to finally make it fun for ourselves, and then for once the NHL announces a host where I'm like, fucking nailed it. Oh, who's the host? Keenan Thompson is hosting the NHL Awards. Not a Keenan Thompson guy. Oh, love it. Love it. I mean, I shouldn't say, like, they've had bad hosts, like Will Arnett was mint. Uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, weird choice, funny guy, you know. Unless Keenan's gonna show up and do that bit from SNL where he's just like does this. I can't remember the name of the bit, but he's just he does the he does the he's like he's doing the what's talk up with show. that? Yeah. Oh, dude, I guarantee you. Motations. I guarantee you, he comes out and the Good opening skit is vibrations. What's up with that? You have to. You have to, man. Must be. Just they bunch, have to do it. Bunch of bloopers from the season. What's up with that? I will be so What's upset if they don't do What's Up With That. B. Q. S. <laughs> yeah, it's actually just F- 2007's cast of SNL v- hosting the episode. T. A. Um, okay. So. F- H. F- uh, yeah, so we're going to make a Twitter poll. Did I miss anything there? I think we're good. That's it? I think that's it. Okay, so. follow us on Twitter, yeah, Facebook. Do it. Uh, do it. Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Do it. Spotify, Portugal Radio. Hey, do it. Yeah. The only thing that keeps me alive is watching the Bucks lose. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone!
You're gone. 